Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Brock. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Fellowship, and I'd like to thank you for being here today. Thank you to those watching online and at our other campuses as well. Um, we're in the middle of a series, or actually ending a series today, called Help Us Here, where we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And today we're gonna to be talking specifically about how we need the Holy Spirit's transformation in our lives. Uh, but before we begin, um, there's been some really tough events that have happened lately, and I don't know about you, but the events that happened in Uvalde, Texas this last week were just really, really rough for me to, to watch. So I thought it'd be appropriate for us to take a moment and pray, because if there was ever a time in our country that we probably need some transformation, it seems like now would be one of those times to lean in and ask God for some help. So let's, let's start together by praying for those families. God, thank you so much that, Lord, that you are a God that understands pain and you understand sorrow. And Father, for those families, Lord, I pray that somehow, some way, you would be comfort to them. And Lord, I pray for our country and our world and our leaders that, God, you would help us to find a way that we don't have to pray like this much more. God, help us, Lord, to figure out a way to find your truth and your transformation in all of our lives. And so, Father, we, again, pray for those families today. You would be with them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And so, where we've been a little bit so far in this series is we started in Acts chapter 1, and we looked at this. It's, so, Jesus is now... Uh, been crucified, and he's resurrected from the dead. And so he gathers his disciples together. He's appeared with them several times. And he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, you are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you wonder if the disciples at that point in time were like, okay, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What am I, okay, sure, I'll do that. And then it kind of gets a little, little crazy. All of a sudden, Jesus ascends into the clouds. I'm thinking that their disciples are like, okay, what's going on here? And Jesus is saying at that moment, uh, here's God who they've known has been with them, and now all of a sudden is, is gone. So the presence of God is gone from their lives. So the disciples were probably pretty curious, and so they go to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, they stay there, they stay there and they're praying, and all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, if you were a typ uh, typical Jewish religion type of person, there'd be some signs that all of a sudden might make a lot of sense to you. In that moment, there was wind that came soaring through the room where they were. In the Old Testament, oftentimes, the wind was a referral to the Holy Spirit being present, God's presence being there. And then all of a sudden, there was these like tongues of fire on all the disciples, and if you're a typical Jewish person, that you would realize that fire is often a sign of God's presence. You think of Moses and the burning bush, the tabernacle where they said they'd be led by fire at night. So all that's going on, and so what was happening is here was Jesus, who was God with them. He was gone, and now all of a sudden, here's this new era. The birth of the church is happening where God's Spirit is coming to each individual person. So if you think throughout the Old Testament, when, Jesus, when, when God talked about his presence, it would be confined to like the temple or the tabernacle or someplace like that, and oftentimes God's presence would be uh, with someone for a particular assignment uh, for a specific thing they were supposed to do, and then that presence would, would leave. So it was temporary. 
And in Jesus, who was fully God and fully human, God's presence was there. This was God walking on the earth, showing us how to love, showing us how to live, showing us how to live out the kingdom of values. So God's presence was there, and now he's gone. And so the Holy Spirit comes and is God with us. So at Pentecost, what was happening is God was saying, hey, I'm not just in a particular place, not just in a particular spot with Jesus. Everywhere you go, now I'm going to be with you. At Pentecost, God was now continually present with every believer. So you know in the Old Testament, God's presence was in the temple. Now each one of his followers becomes the temple where God's presence resides. So God is always with them. And so God's presence is here to empower, to indwell, uh, to guide, to lead. And so when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we talk about help is here, we're not talking about this sub-little category or some kind of little help. Here's the kind of help when we talk about help is here in the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. So the creator of the universe, the one who could roll up the heavens like a robe, is now with you all the time, always. Jesus, the one who loved you, the one who gave his life for you, the one that sacrificed, the one that empowered us, is with you always. That transformation that we need, that transformation is not just, again, some sub kind of force. It's God, the creator, the redeemer, present with us always. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all equal, but with us. So when we talk about help is here, we're talking about a power that is with us that is so powerful, powerful and transformational. That God wants to transform us to be the kind of people that we want to be, that he wants us to be. Now, before I get going too much, um, would it be okay if I had a rant? Can I rant for just a moment? Is that possible to have a little rant here? Okay, thank you. All right, a couple people have been excited about the rant. Others are like, I don't know if I want this rant or not. So one of the things that bothers me a little bit as I look at my own life and the world around us and things that are going on is I don't think the way things are going are the way God intended for them to be. So I look at the world around us and I see hatred. I don't think he wanted that. Anger, abuse, racism, neglect, people feeling unheard or being devalued in this world, families being torn apart, conflict, uh, marriages just in all kinds of struggle, children being abandoned, and, and people using other people for their own advancement. Leadership needs a transformation in our country. We're not using people so that we can gain more power or we can gain more money or we can gain more influence. We need to be leading and serving others because they are worthy of leading and being served. Not because we have the selfish ambition and anxiety that we have to navigate, but because people are valuable and God loves them and he wants us to serve other people. And if there's ever a time that I need transformation, that you need transformation, I believe it's now. We need the God of the universe, the creator of all things, to come in and make a difference in our, in our souls, in our lives. That's my rant, sorry. That went on my rant there a little bit. I, I envisioned when I prepared the message after the rant, there'd be a standing ovation and people just going, yes, run for office. Um, but um, I had to force a clap instead, so that it doesn't feel as genuine. So, man. All right, so today we're going to be talking about the kind of qualities that God wants in our lives, and it's called the fruit of the Spirit, how the Holy Spirit transforms our lives. 
And so the book of the Bible that really talks about the fruit of the Spirit is Galatians. Um, and so when I was in school, I was a, a, a theology nerd, studied the Bible and all that kind of stuff. And some of you may wonder, is that an education? Well, it was. And so, but I had to come up with mnemonic devices all the time to remember everything. And so it's weird that we had to memorize little Bible facts, right? And so I had to remember where the fruit of the Holy Spirit was talked about in the Bible. And so I thought of Galatians, and for some reason my mind went to Jello, because Jello is gelatin. See how it's all flowing together now? Or maybe a gelatinous substance. Uh, and when I was growing up, I don't know if you suffered from this, but my mom would make jello molds and put fruit in the jello. Did anyone else suffer this, or is it just me? I don't think jello is supposed to have a crunch. It's just something wrong there. And so I would think about gelatinous jello with fruit in it, and so therefore gelatinous Galatians. See how it all works? No one sees it but me. And so then often I would think about fruit. You had to eat fruit with your whole hand. So he had to have five fingers, so the fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians chapter five. Okay, I'm, I'm a, little, a little embarrassed right now for some reason. I'm, you enjoy the rest of the sermon. I'm gonna go ahead. But, so Galatians chapter five, um, and Galatians is a really interesting letter. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to a group of churches in Galatia, this region, and the reason he was writing this letter, because there was a problem. If you can believe it or not, there was a problem in the church. There was a problem with a group of people gathered together. And so what was happening is there was these non-Jewish people, the Gentiles and the Jewish believers. And the Jewish believers were saying, if someone really wants to be a full-fledged follower of Jesus, not only do they have to believe in Jesus, they also have to follow the ceremonial ritual laws of Judaism. And so this controversy is going on, and so Paul had already been there on a missionary journey, and so he's writing to them and saying, guys, that's not what I said. When I was with you, I told you the only way that one can be transformed, can be changed, is by faith in Jesus, and that's it. There's no laws, no rituals, nothing you can add to it, just someone has to have faith in Jesus, and that's how they're transformed. You're transformed by connection to the source of power, created the universe, redeemer of your souls, the one who's always with you, that connection transforms. Now, the people of Galatia had a decent response, in my opinion. They were like, okay, Paul, um, if that's the case, how are people ever gonna know how to truly live or navigate with other people? And so Paul concedes and he says, all right, I'll give you one rule if you have to have a rule, and here's the rule. Love others well. There's your rule. So that's the letter that we're looking into. And so in this section, Paul begins to, to explain that a little bit more. And so we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, because that's where the fruit is. Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to dig in one verse at a time as we go through this section. All right. So verse 13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. This is Paul writing to the Galatians. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So Paul's going back to the problem. You don't have to follow any rules. You don't have to follow any rituals. Those things are gone. However, because there's no rules or rituals, don't use your freedom to hurt other people. We are now given a new freedom where we're called to serve others. 
So we've been set free to put the needs of others above our own. Verse 14, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, when asked to summarize the whole law, he said, it's pretty simple, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and just as important, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said this is the one thing, the one rule, the one idea that we need to hold on to. And so Paul is writing to them and saying, as you're set free, here's your guideline. All right. Verse 15, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So Paul gets a little, takes a little shot here at the Galatians and says, biting and devouring one another is not loving your neighbor. It's not the fruit of being connected with God. It's not the fruit of being connected with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is saying that words matter. It's not just our actions, but everything that we say matters as well. And the more we can say things that cause hurt and strife and pain in other people, the less we're tapping into the Holy Spirit's love and the rule of loving your neighbor with your words or maybe more importantly, lack thereof. Verse 16, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. He starts to answer then, okay, so how do we stop hurting each other? How do we stop hurting others? He says let the Holy Spirit guide you. So one of the things that's really cool about some of the verb tenses in the Greek and the New Testament is there's this idea that there's a starting point where we say yes to letting God guide our lives. And there's also a continuation. And so Paul is saying, by saying yes and continuing to say yes to the connector, to the great Jesus, the more we say yes to the Spirit, the more we say yes to helping others and the more we say no to hurting other people. So let the Holy Spirit guide your life, so continue to say yes to him. Verse 17 says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The Spirit and the flesh, they're in opposition. Thus, our struggle, there's a battle going on. And the fruit of living a godly life is often the opposite of what the world tells us is the right thing to do. So Paul's getting ready to tell us what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. In verse 18, but when you were directed by the Spirit, you were not under obligation to the law of Moses. The law of Moses had certain parameters and you couldn't live up to those things. By living by the Spirit, you can actually say yes to doing the right things. All right. So when I was a kid, I'd be in church when a preacher could just get up and talk about theology, whatever we say they were preaching, and they started getting, telling us what to do with our lives. We call that meddling. Has anyone ever heard... All right, I don't know who my joke writer is, but they are failing here <laughs> horribly. All right, well, we're gonna go to meddling a little bit here. We're gonna meddle in our lives, meddle in mine at least for sure, I need it. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. Here's where it gets to meddling, quarreling jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, 
dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, and wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. Paul, you might get a little strong there on us. The sinful nature, he's saying, is pretty easy to distinguish, and that sins like these ultimately hurt or take away from other people. And the Spirit wants to transform us into people that don't give in to these things as often, but can put the focus not just on what I want or my selfish ambition, but upon the needs of other people. Again, that list, it's kind of tough. These are tough passages here. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension. And then in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus steps it up a notch and he says, I don't want you just to love those who love you but I want you to love even your enemies. Even those who are mean to you or wicked or evil to you, I want you to love them as well. And so it's not so much dependent upon others, but dependent on us being kind and loving other people no matter what. Ugh, that's tough. I shouldn't have read that one. Verse 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit, God, the creator, the redeemer, who's with you always, he produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. What's true of Jesus, who we're connected to, becomes true of you in that connection. So we look at what Jesus was, and as we spend time with him, that fruit begins to live out in our lives like love, joy, peace, and patience. There's a couple other passages I want to draw your attention to real quick. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves or people to be served. Don't look, only, look out only for your own interest, but take, the in, take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. We're being asked to do some supernatural things here. But this is the fruit of the Spirit. These are the lists. When you go to a wedding, you often hear this passage, but when we really hear it and we read it, we're like, ugh. Love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. Are you kidding me? It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. The Bible talks about the character, the qualities of Jesus. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what, in connection with God, this is how we are transformed to be like, this, this is our target. This is what he's asked us to do. According to Galatians, according to the writings of the New Testament, here we go. All right, so... That was a little tough, and so I realized that. So I thought maybe, I don't know, we don't get to play a lot of games in church. So can we play a game real quick? Would that be okay if we played a game? All right. Most people looked at me and said no, so thank you for that. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to get out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to walk to the TV over here, see how it, feel, it feels natural. I don't know what to do with my hands, though. Um, so here we're going to play a little game, and this game is called, and it's going to roll off the tongue here, this game is called the Knowledge of Fruit Trivia and hopefully some meaning to it game. 
All right, so you're gonna keep your own score in this trivia contest, okay? And uh, you're in church, so if you cheat, that's not gonna go over very well. Okay, we'll start off with an easy one. Ready for this one? What kind of fruit do apple trees produce? Now, a lot of you yelled it out loud. You're helping other people. This is an individual game that you are playing here. All right, but apples is the right answer. And so that was to get you warmed up, and so you get one point for that one. But the whole idea, my purpose behind this game, is typically it seems like whatever the source is, if it's connected to that, that fruit comes out. So apple tree, apple. See how it's all working? Hmm, okay. All right, so we're going to play a true-false game here. And so I've done a lot of research. I love it when people say they've researched today and they've gone on the Internet. And so I went to a new French website that was particularly intellectual. I believe it's called Google. And so, have you ever noticed that if you ever want to sound French, you just go, uh-huh, at the end? So I went to Google, uh-huh. All right, so it's a true or false game here, and you get to keep score. And I'm going to ask you if this fruit is grown on a tree or not. True or false, okay? So first question here, and again, this is an individual game. Do not yell out your answers. Are cherries grown on trees? True or false? The answer is True. All right, keep your score. That could be two points. Mangoes, grown on trees. True or false? The answer is true. I think I stumped some people with that one. Here it gets really tricky now. Strawberries, true or false, grown on trees. According to Google, the answer is false. Grapes, grown on trees, true or false? The answer is false. And this is where it gets really confusing because grapes and grapefruit seem like they should be more connected, right? But one's really small, one's really big. Makes no sense. And especially, are grapefruits grown on trees, true or false? The answer is true. See how it's such a conundrum there? All right, cantaloupe, grown on trees, true or false? The answer is false. And plums, grown on trees, true or false? The answer is true. Has anyone got a perfect score so far? Liars. <laughs> All right, so I know there could be some tying going here because you want to win this contest, so we have one last question for you. All right, it's more of a subjective question. Uh, if you were to pick the best fruit, what would it be? There are only three acceptable answers, okay? And those answers could be strawberries. Does anyone disagree with that? No, that's what I thought. All right. Mangoes. Any mango fans out there? Three mango fans. And here's where it gets really, this is an acceptable answer. I'm going to sound a little snobby when I like this one, but I love acai berries. So, yeah, it's, it's a real thing, acai berries. Okay, that's going over well, just like my jokes. Okay. So, the fruit of the Spirit that's listed in gelatinous, I mean Galatians chapter 5, are what Jesus is after in our lives. So when we connect to the source, according to Paul, those fruit things are produced in our lives, and that's the main point of Galatians. And Paul is saying that fruit is produced in our lives not by obeying laws or doing certain rituals, it's by being connected to the source of power. 
And we have the ultimate source of power. We have the ultimate help that is here. The God who created the universe, the God who gave his life so that we could be free, the Holy Spirit is with us. So it's not by obeying laws or by following certain rituals, but by being connected. So it leads me to two questions. Number one, am I connected to the source? Am I connected? And the other question it asked me to believe is, how do I cultivate these fruits so that I could be a little bit better of a human being? So that I don't give in to anger. So that I don't use others for my benefit. So I can serve others well and be a better man than what I currently am. Throughout, uh, throughout church history, I'm a little bit of a church history geek, the church has tried to answer this question, how we cultivate this fruit in our lives. So they've done, they said things like, if we sing songs of worship to God, that we're there inhabiting his presence, we're transformed. As we pray, as we spend time with the creator and, and in communion, then all of a sudden we begin to change, we're transformed. The book of Proverbs says that as we listen to the wisdom of other people, they're godly people that we're transformed because we start to hear truths about following God. The, myst the mystics in the 1200s and the 1500s would say that just spend time with God and you're changed. I don't know if you've ever heard of St. Teresa of Avila. She was pretty intelligent, but she wrote that God is the ultimate gardener and we spend time with him and he's the one that makes the fruit grow and trims away the other stuff, the sinful nature stuff. So all we have to do is just simply spend time with God and mystically he transforms and changes us. Martin Luther led a reformation in the church and he said, we've gotten away, we've gone back to all these ceremonies, all these rituals. He said, the only way that we're transformed is through sola scriptura, the scriptures alone. The Bible has its transforming powers. We hear the words of God that changes us, that causes us to behave and think and live and feel differently. Other people throughout church history said the more time you spend studying, the more time you spend studying the things of God, the more you're transformed. John Wesley in the 1700s said, you get people around you, intentional community, where you pray together, where you serve together, where you worship together and you help each other, that's where transformation takes place. Others have said, as you serve the least of these, as you serve people in need, that's where you're transformed. In the Bible, Jesus said, if you've done something for the least of these, you've done it for me. When you gave them that cup of, of, of cold water, you gave it to me. If we go where people are hurting and do things for them, Jesus says, my presence is there, and that's where, trans where we're transformed. Being in church is a modern kind of idea. As we gather together and we worship and we study and we learn together and help each other, God's presence is here, we're transformed. And for me personally, I've seen over the years transformation takes place by knowing what's going on inside of me. All of us in this room probably have experienced some sort of pain, some sort of rejection, some kind of hurt, maybe some trauma. And if we don't deal with those things, they continue to have influence, and they come out in the way we interact with others. And so we have to go on this journey of healing by letting God's spirit transform that pain into fruit. So putting together these pieces has led me to, I, th I think there's value in all of them. All of them are good. All of them are transformational. One of my favorite authors, his name is Henry Nouwen. He wrote a lot of books in the 70s. And there's a Christian classic, if you ever just think, man, this is a good book to read. It's called In the Name of Jesus by Henry Nouwen. Great book. 
But one of the things that Nowen says is the best way for us to be transformed, to be people that more exhibit the characters of Jesus, characteristics of Jesus, is that we just simply create space to be with God. That God is always speaking. That God is always wanting to transform. The question is, are we allowing him to do that? So now I want to say, connect all these lists of the things I just gave, however you connect. Just connect. Be with God, because it's not following rules and rituals that get you to be a transformed person. It's by connection with Jesus, as Paul said in Galatians. So our goals are to cultivate that fruit of the Spirit in our lives so that we can love others well, so that the world might see a true vision of Jesus, so the world might see transformation in our souls and theirs as well. So a couple things practically to think about is we need to evaluate the messages that we're hearing. Because oftentimes, messages might encourage in terms of leadership, in terms of uh, self-improvement, all this stuff, what do I need to do to improve me? It's all about me. And these are little countercultural views of how Jesus wants us to be. So are the things we're listening to, are they things that are encouraging the fruit of the Spirit and things that are encouraging selfish ambition? We need to look at, are we creating space? Am I creating space for God to transform me? through worship, reading, studying, writing, being outdoors, praying, letting the Bible take a hold of us, talking to a trusted friend or a counselor, serving others, being involved in intentional spiritual community. These are questions that I think, as we have this weekend to maybe pause a little bit, to pause and say, this world needs me to be transformed. The world needs me to be transformed. What are we doing to create that space to be with God? Because in God's presence, that's where we're transformed. One of the things that I think is a big, huge enemy to the Spirit of God being transformation in our lives is busyness. We're just so busy that we don't ever have time to just pause and allow God to work. And so maybe if it's just even a few moments We can just have that God communing time where we're creating that space to be with God. We can find some change. One of the things um, that I found, I have a little screensaver on my computer that it says, whenever it comes on, it says, know God and know yourself. And I think that's the thing, that's the thing that God is calling us to do, is to know him, to know what's gone inside of us, so that we can have that as our priority, so that we can have that as loving other people well. Busyness, lack of pause, takes away from the fruit. Uh, A few months ago, I was trying to think of of ways to um, study the Bible a little bit more, to have a little more time in Scripture, and so I had this idea, and so we came up with a little podcast called The Breakdown, and what we do every week is we take a a verse or a couple verses from the sermon, uh, the message on the weekend, and we get together on a podcast, and we break it down. So do you see where I got the title for the podcast? Because we break it down. Does, it, does that, okay? All right. So, yeah, so we're breaking it down. And so uh, it's about 20 minutes, and so it comes out every Wednesday or Thursday. So that could be something that would be helpful, something we're doing here at Hope, just to take a few moments of pause and say, God, I need your scriptures to transform my life. Uh, a lot of people have said they found value in it. 
Um, I don't know if this is a, a shot at me or not, but a lot of people said, oh, I love to put it in right before I go to bed because it helps me go to sleep. <laughs> and so if you just want to go to hopefellowship.net slash podcast or search for podcasts, it's the breakdown by Hope Fellowship. Hopefully that can be helpful. It's on Spotify. Yes, it is. And so hopefully that can be helpful for you guys. So I'm going to read to you one last time, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. And this is our goal. This is our target as we love other people well. There's all kinds of leadership books, all kinds of things out there, but this is the book. This is the target. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is our target. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This is how I believe, I'm probably talking to myself here a lot, this is how God wants me to live towards my family. This is how God wants me to live toward my wife and my children and the people I work with and I so often fail and my friends, this is how God wants me to live to people that maybe I consider as opponents in business or uh, even on the athletic field. This is the goal. This is the target. I can't do this. I've tried and failed and failed and failed. And I need God to transform my soul. We all do. Because this world is crying out for us to be this kind of witness I love it when Jesus said the world's going to know us by our love for one another. This is what we need. This is our target, basically, anywhere our feet are. (laughs) This is what he's asking us to do. And I believe that we've just got to continue to cultivate those things, that it's got to be a massive priority of our lives. And a major part of that, in my opinion, is creating space for God to work creator of the universe to transform my soul so I can walk forth in these things. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you today. Our world, our lives, desperate need of you. So Holy Spirit, thank you that you were with us. We are never alone. We are never apart from the greatest power in the world, in the universe. And Holy Spirit, we ask for that power to transform our souls so that we could walk forth all the time in love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, and gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. So Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you love us so much that you never leave us. And Father, help us to pause and allow you to work. We love you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.